Here we go. Well, John, hey. well, so I'll, I'll do a little introduction. So for those of you in the UK who have um, uh, been blessed by the fact that I've been able to get around the UK and stay in the UK, this man, uh, he and Tayo really are the two guys who put everything together for the UK. And um, this is John Lumgar. And his brother was a big help last summer, too. I stayed at his home with his wife and his two amazing daughters. They were so much fun. I didn't, didn't get enough of a chance to see them. So, uh, all right, John, what are we going to talk about? So, um, <laughs> it's it's hard to just start, isn't it? The, it is. One up. <laughs> well, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll we'll go where you want it to go. So, um, I live in London, um, and I'm an animation director. Um, I'm being doing that for many years and i guess my connection to this little corner of the internet was i um like many people saw jordan peterson and i was like ah i wonder if who's commented on him what are what are people saying i actually googled tim keller and found you um and then i was like oh this guy's really interesting and one of the things that's I found interesting is that you weren't just talking about Peterson, you were talking about other stuff and then started finding all these very interesting people doing all sorts of, um, yeah, heterodox, but not um, in the political sense, which was quite nice. It wasn't all politics. So is that. <laughs> well, and then you got, you got connected with, uh, with John Van Donk too. And yes, and Elsnet, which is the Estuary Leaders Support Host Network. This is a terrible name, John, but it's not your fault. It's the other John's fault. John's <laughs> got to work on his branding. Well, He's and to work on his planning. Well, and and <laughs> part of why I so I I was at the art conference this past fall, and John was there too. And John was a super help to me. Because John and his brother were there on sort of a work capacity, but John could look around the room and that's where it was, it was because of John that I began to get the sense that England is not like America. John looked around the room and said, this person here and told me about them and this person there and told me about them and this person there and told me about them. And then I started talking to these people and they all knew each other and I thought, this country is networked in a way that America is not. At least if America is, I'm not anywhere near that network and I've never seen it. But um, so John was a super help in terms of giving me background on, on all sorts of people. And then you made a super interesting observation during ARC 2 about John was able to sort of see who was talking to who, which... Then suddenly we begin to see kind of a social map growing there. So I don't know what we're, it's a, it's a few months past. What were kind of some of your reflections after, after that conference, John? Yeah, it was fun being on the sidelines. I mean, I, in some, in many ways you want to be in the middle of the action and, um, and when you're working there, you're not, but being on the sidelines, you get to observe and just see, see the relationships. And it, it was quite interesting to see, some people that I would say are kind of fairly politically centrist. And then you see some people that were 
leaning pretty hard to the right and be like oh that's a little bit not as i'm not that totally comfortable with where they are and then some more apolitical people but it was too political i'd say the whole thing lent a bit too political um but almost everybody i bumped into was an incredibly interesting person They and were. it, it was a bit like peterson's Peterson's friends or friends of friends get together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, not only Peterson, but I I had zero idea about the other hosts of this. And of course, when I saw barrenness on an invitation, it was like <laughs> we we don't have those in America. And and if you are a baroness in America, you probably wouldn't say it just because people would start to wonder how that, but the Strouds and their, and of course, then after talking to you, you mentioned a few other things. So I could do a little digging on the internet and find that they are seriously involved in, um, in Christian and humanitarian concerns and, mm. and, and very wonderfully. So in many, in many respects. And, yeah. They fit the kind of compassionate conservatism kind of thing which had kind of gone out of fashion, but they, they've they been pushing in that direction for years. Yeah. So, okay, John, so so what are what are we going to talk about? So I'm I'm launching an um, um, animated sitcom on Kickstarter, and it's about a jazz-playing cow. It's called Jazz Cow. And Jazz Cow is a resistance leader so he's got poets creatives misfits musicians all these kind of guys and they are the resistance movement against algorithms and fake filters and what Paul Kingsnorth would call the machine so they're they're off the grid they don't use modern tech they don't even know they wouldn't know what to do with a smartphone um they they're not even caught up to CD players. They're definitely using the old vinyls and they live in their community, but they're being the, the world of kind of convenience and safety and um, a functioning society are kind of encroaching on them because they, you know, they would just park their car anywhere they like. They, they don't do safety checks on their houses. They're, it's just chaos, but, it's a happy chaos. And so you've got the tension of those two worlds and that's the setup. And we're trying to raise money for a heist film. So we would, we're doing, want to do a 22 minute um, episode or 20, probably 20 minutes with credits, um, 20 minute episode and um, trying to fit the kind of space that the Simpsons has been in where it's, for adults, but it's not an adult thing. It's got a big heart. It's not the kind of cynical like a lot of the more modern things are. And hopefully rides above that kind of political stuff where it's a bit more fun, but also social commentary. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of space we're, we're aiming at anyway. Well, talk about who we is. Yeah, so um, it's got a bit of an interesting story. So about 
20 years ago um me and um my brother and then a couple of other guys were kicking around ideas and laughing and we ended up coming up with this idea that of a jazz playing cow because most superheroes they always end up like you get bitten by a spider and then you can do jump from building to building or whatever and it's like why is it always that kind of glamorous thing and then we thought well cow is like the the dumbest creature right <laughs> and <laughs> having the superhero ability of playing jazz is it's great it's the it's like super sophisticated for this dumb creature especially with hooves i mean you'd think on the piano with... <laughs> well, we, we, we did we did swap to do hands because it was just like that was going to be too difficult <laughs> so that that was the original thing and that was so that was four of us um then i and we ended up pitching it around studios and got some interest but it didn't go anywhere and then kind of stayed in a draw and then um sitcom writer james carey who's um written quite a lot of sitcoms in the uk he was like you've got to make this happen and i started reworking it and then a guy said look i can pitch this around studios around streaming services and so that was exciting. And then streaming services were all like, well, we only make stuff that's based on existing IP. And you're just like, and that's why it's all the same. And then you go like, oh, what are we going to do? So James Carey was like, well, let's, let's get this on Kickstarter. And so it's mainly me, me and James, but we've got um, a character designer who, Selom, uh, who has done stuff for Disney and all these kind of, different platforms has come on board there's a storyboard guy who's worked on animaniacs and um rick and morty all sorts of different things he's going to be a kind of advisor on it and then we've got yeah all sorts of different people um various actors one that i'm hoping that she will sign on the dotted line so we can move forward and announce that that would be exciting um uh Francis Foster from Trigonometry. Oh yeah, he's gonna play the voice of the um, one of the characters. <laughs> Got amazing voice actors actually. the The guy that plays the drummer is incredible. The guy that plays um, the villain, Doctor Pop, he he's such a good voice artist. I mean, he's he's just hilarious. So getting all these guys in the room is should be should be absolutely um, brilliant, but. We'll see. All right. All right. So you're going to send me a link to this Kickstarter and we'll, I'll put it down in the show notes. So the Kickstarter page isn't there yet. I think, oh. uh, I don't know what stage you're allowed to put up the, um, or you can, you can do it in advance, but we've got a landing page, which okay. is jazzcow.com. No, not.com. Doesn't exist. Jazzcow.co.uk. And you can sign up and that, um, put you on our mailing list and you can see the characters and um, see the development. We'll also be on all the, if you search for my name or um, Quirky Motion, which is my company, 
you can then find all our um um you'll begin to see some stuff come up on social media um but i don't quite so trust social media shows people very much so yeah the mailing list is where we're really aiming at all right so jazzcow.co.uk and um anything else you want to talk about what you want to do john um to know um <laughs> you you usually just ask these really interesting questions and people talk about all sorts of different things all right well <laughs> well okay well i'll uh i'll you know people have people come to the randall's conversations for certain things uh you're a christian i am how did that happen so i grew up in a christian family in fact my dad was a pastor um and in a and the kind of church tradition i grew up in was a kind of it was um anglican evangelical in the kind of john stock kind of mode but more charismatic so it was kind of straddling straggling those world, worlds a bit um and usually people have this story of how they drifted away or they deconstructed or they um felt they had to become orthodox because evangelicalism was just a joke um but i that's not really my experience because i ended up with a kind of something that had a fairly strong intellectual basis so i had questions and my dad would give me piles of books and so i'd be reading people like schaefer and c.s lewis so i didn't and i and it, things kind of worked and i think when things work and you don't have a big identity crisis and you're not i didn't have those those things like a lot of it seems like most people in the corner of deconstructed and reconstructed as yeah. something else, um, something usually Christian, um, normally Orthodox. Um, these Orthodox guys have given me a lot to think about. They've really stretched me. It's been good. And <laughs> you realize actually some of the things they say, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, we believe that. And we've always believed that. And it's, not quite as far away as maybe you think yeah 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 terminology for the same stuff yeah 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 it's like theosis we have theosis and it's like i don't know union with christ kind of sounds a little theotic there and um so yeah, one, what's you, that you read the john's little letters and it's like it's all over it yeah 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 it's in the bible after all and 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 you know Protestants really like the Bible. Uh, they make they really make their kids learn it. And so. the symbolism stuff is like, I mean, Jonathan Pajot's blown my mind and opened my mind up to all sorts of new things. But I've been very used to kind of top 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 whatever the word is where you see types of Christs and mm, yeah, been Typology. used to that kind of um, that kind of theology and it's just been fairly normal so it's not been not totally it's not totally new yeah um oh pajo's just the, the, the guy just stretches everyone's brain yeah yeah well that you know that 
One of the things that I, I did a lot of reflecting on and thinking about when I was in the UK this fall, and we talked about it a fair amount, was to me how different, I mean, this was sort of at the art conference, and it was also sort of in Peugeot's speech, the strange the strange way, you know, for me as an American, of course, you you, you can't see the American stuff because it's your, you know, just like I have difficulty seeing the, the stuff in the UK, but it, it's a it's a strange situation. Christianity is such an in such a strange way in the UK, where on one hand, you know, I was watching some of the coronation stuff, and even before the coronation, you know, King Charles is you know, making these, reading through these things, how he's defender of the church and yada, yada, yada. And there's churches all over the place. And, you know, from America, you look back at the UK and all this Christian history and all of this. And then when you get to even the art conference and Peugeot has all of the Christians raise their hand. But yet when I talk to the Christians, there's always this sense that there's just always kind of undercover. They're they're always, I mean, it's it's kind of like your it's kind of like your cow. Um, they're always just sort of beneath the surface. They don't let anyone know. And then then there's this, I mean, it seems like almost everyone, except Justin Brierly, um, well, there seems to be two kinds of Christians in the UK. Those who will talk about their personal Christian faith in public, you know, so then you have ministers like Justin Brierly. And then you have people more like Tom Holland who um and and others who will just kind of, you know, yeah, you know, they they kind of, you know, maybe they'll have a uh, maybe they'll have a newspaper and they'll have to tuck their Bible in between because they'd be too embarrassed to let people know that they actually read the Bible or believe this stuff. I get that vibe all the time yeah. from you Brits. And to yeah. me as an American, it's like and and it's not just it's not just the UK. I mean, I got I got this story from when we did the German breakwater event and in the German events have people from Germany, the Netherlands, and then, you know, parts of the former Soviet bloc too. So what is the freaking deal in Europe with your embarrassment about Christianity? It's very low status. Okay. It's very, so, and, and it, so there's an article that came out in, a website called Evangelical Focus that was spotlighting my project. And I noticed it's come up on the Google ranking because I think it's number three now for Jazz Cow. It's a great article. And I'm like, oh, if I come up as like on a Christian thing as number three, will people automatically just try to stop it happening? Like that's the instinct that we have. And I'm not. Yeah. And. I guess it's the thing that I I'm not shy. I don't tell I'm open about being a Christian, but I don't really want to get judged or people think I'm some kind of Trump enthusiast or, or whatever the whatever whatever the thing it the you thing don't even is. get a chance to vote for him or not vote for him. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. The Americanization of Europe is just shocking to me. But please go oh. on on the Christian thing for a while more because it just yeah, confounds it, me. It's just that it's it's a way to not do well <laughs> in, in a way um, because it's seen as it's seen as a a bit um, 
I think people think you're bigoted if you're a Christian. They so there's a lot of political stuff going on in the background. I th there's always been a suspicion of people who are too enthusiastic about stuff. I think in British history anyway. Might go back to the Civil War or something like that. I'm probably just making that up. It's probably nonsense history, but I, it doesn't sound like nonsense. But but it, it seems kind of your culture. Don't be you know. Stay calm and, you know, beneath the surface. But then we've got, it's interesting because you've got large immigrant immigrant groups who are very loud and proud and Christian or loud and proud and Muslim. And we see the tensions of that. And it's Christians who are very open about their faith that get themselves in a lot of trouble. And often through doing stupid things, things but sometimes through not doing stupid things sometimes they're just living a normal life and and just, yeah so and we're probably i think secularization has just happened a lot more strongly here well and to figure out what exactly that means i mean it was tom holland that kind of secularization to me it always meant non-christian and that has sort of transformed in my mind into christian value smuggling without ever having to say the word jesus or think about a church yeah it's christianity that's so deeply uh, uh, elements of christianity that have been so deeply digestive they've they've become part of the body even though the brain hasn't thought about Jesus in generations. That's absolutely true. Um, it's the it's the um it's the Christian ghosts or whatever the phrase the phrase yeah. is. But then you've got um Rene Girard's um observation about how we people have kind of used Christianity against itself and then it's the it's been kind of outflanked by a caricature of christianity and i think that's happened here more than maybe in the states or maybe you're just so big that everything can happen all at the same time and it's well and in, in america if i say america is diverse a lot of people's imaginations immediately go to racial diversity but america has so much cultural diversity and competing cultural groups that christianity you, you really part of it is is when i look at you know this sort of labeling of christian nationalism what happens in terms of when you know when they tried to label certain kinds of christians as christian nationalists they just absorbed that label and used it as a weapon to go back at the other group and so there's there are there are strong cultural christian movements in the united states that just won't be put into a corner and if someone mm. tries to put them in a corner there's going to be a price to pay at the ballot box in the marketplace and so that kind of power social power that christianity still wields in america it, it just seems to play different i mean you told and you don't have to mention any names but you told me some stories of people who 
they couldn't get jobs because it became known that they were and they were the kind of Christian who reads their Bibles, prays, goes to church. This in a nation with a state church, which mm. is, you know, and again, for me, trying to wrap my mind around what on earth the Church of England is, is just, I mean, you you definitely have sort of the Anglo-Catholics, you sort of have the Anglo-Evangelicals, you sort of have the, the Pentecostals, and then you have sort of the upper crust, and and it's like all of that and still people have to keep their faith you know keep their faith undercover for fear of not getting the job they want because people will pigeonhole them in a particular way it, it just astounds me yeah i know at least 3 people have lost their jobs and um and it's always and they're the ones i know about and people, most Christians just, they don't want to talk about it. They're not, they want to get on with their lives. It's that phrase where in somewhere in the New Testament, um, I think it's Peter talks about having just a peace, peaceable life. Yeah. Yeah. But actually you just want to live in peace. It's not a, um, to be left alone in many ways. That's what we want from our governments. <laughs> So I don't know, John, if if your idea of pitching Jazz Cow on the channel of a, you know, Christian minister is necessarily a, you know, a wise move for your efforts. I mean, if you could get people might imagine that, you know, Jazz Cow starts out playing the piano and before you know it, he's handing out little tracks of hell and damnation. It's not going to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we want it to actually be good. <laughs> you've just lost i don't know how much money and by offending the americans who who, who thought that's exactly what jazz cow needs to do <laughs> no the 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 cultural you know i i've had obviously since starting the channel you know more way more contacts i knew one couple one family in the uk to any degree who live you know, up in yeah. Northern England um, and who were, you know, evangelicals who were missionaries. I met them in the Dominican Republic actually. And, but it just, the, the, the subtle dynamics in your culture just fascinates me. What do you, what do you think about Justin Brierley's, uh, you've, have you listened to any of his podcasts? Yeah. Well, do you think he's right? I think he is right. I'm yeah, I'm persuaded by what he's saying and the direction he's going. I think there has been this shift. It's yeah, things are so different to how they were a few years ago. I mean, we had a young guy, seventeen year old, just walk into church and he said, I I want to be a Christian. And that just was not thinkable a couple of years ago. Um, there's just all sorts of different types of people than um, than there were. So, yeah, I think Justin's. I think Justin's right. Do you think that this will be enough to move the needle on what we were just talking about? 
or or I mean, how's that going to play? This is a. It's hard to know because we're seeing the shifts mainly happen on those that are on the politically conservative and who are it's the civilizational Christianity they're worried about a collapse of a civilization and whether that transforms into confessional faith is is out for debate I think some of it will and I think some of it is but if it's only people who are on the conservative side then I think we're only, we're going to end up with some problems because actually Christianity is not conservative it's not liberal it's not socialist it's not anti-socialist it's all and it's all and none of all those things yeah. and if it becomes lopsided or just a certain type of intellectual i don't think it will move the needle but if it starts to be a lot broader i think it will is there a fear so i i'd made a video about dread Christian nationalism again this week because Rob Reiner reaches out and gets Phil Vischer. I mean, you're into animation. Well, puppets and animation mm -hmm. are sort of cousins. Um, you know, gets Phil Vischer to be on his podcast. And I think among, even among Christians, there's a fear, I think, of, of civilizational Christianity, of so, sort of going back to the 19th century because that's when that's when there really was Christian nationalism. I mean, what what they're talking about today, it's like looking at lemonade and calling it stew. I mean, it's just like you are you serious using this label? Because they're they're worried about um they're worried about Christian tyrants, I think. And yeah. and so there there's there's a lot of that um skittishness and anxiety in the culture i wonder if that's part of it i think that is and so there's it's interesting when there are political movements that are clearly not christian yeah so we have the they're incredibly small group called the british national party which are basically like a little fascist group and they're nasty, but no one votes for them, and they're a bit ridiculous. But they were they were trying to use the phrase Christianity about 10 years ago. And within within a few hours, I was getting invites to Facebook groups or Facebook pages saying, These people don't stand for us. And of course, every Christian I know wants to sign up to that because we don't want to be associated with those nasty, <laughs> nasty yeah. people. And so I fear, I think the the kind of Christian nationalism thing, we're like, okay, you want to wind the clock back. Where to? What year? 1950? Before the civil rights movement? Is that where you want to go? Because I don't want to go there. Um, I mean, where, where 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 is this going and what what does it look like yeah and you know the people like um the main guy in in moscow what's his name um putin 
No, 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 Moscow oh, in America. Oh, not that Moscow. The other Moscow, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson is smart. He understands all these subtleties and he's not the kind of what he's too intelligent to kind of get drawn into any of that stuff. Now that doesn't mean I'm persuaded by him, but it's 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 kind of not what people say it is. I mean, you just have to listen to him and go, this guy's he's he's no buffoon. And he's known he's no Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it it also it also makes me wonder about this stuff is so hard. So I was just before this, I was, you know, I pushed this back a little bit because I, the, the, the women's Bible study, I call it coffee break. And then that triggers some people in the comment section is like, Oh, the women get coffee for the men. No, there's no men out there at all. It's, 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 it's women <laughs> is that, having, is it the trad thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's been named coffee break in the Christian reformed church for 30 years. It's always been, it's always been a, an organization by women run by women in fact, there was one poor guy before he had the men's Bible study in church that he was just dying for a Bible study. He is a widower, and he asked if he could join the group, and they said no. <laughs> you can't come in here. Um, they let me into they let me into chit chat and maybe open with prayer, and then I get out. So, um, but you know, my church, you know, a lot of African Americans, and so they started talking because I've got two sons getting married. And so they started talking about their weddings. And then it came up that one of the women over there, she was the first, her and her husband were the first people to be married in this building. And they had their reception at a lions club out in a, in a little town near here. And at that point, the lions club 1968 weren't accepting African-Americans members and wow. um, so then they basically said, this is a private party, you know, because they went to this church. They had a lot of black friends who were coming to the wedding. I mean, so and many of the women there grew up in the Jim Crow South. And one of the women sat that she grew up in Ohio and she said, yeah, we couldn't we weren't allowed to swim in our city pool. And that was, you know, that was not that long ago in the memory of many of these people. And so there's just like you said, with respect to the past, we, we always see the past through these filters and we never, we never can fully see the past because the past is just as vast and as rich as the present is. And so I think part of the struggle with sort of receding modernity and secularity and then say a movement like arc which wants to say we are going to well even arc you know wasn't it didn't big have it hang a big sign you know make england christian again uh <laughs> there, there wasn't that sign out there but um i mean this is a this is a really tricky dance that christians are trying to sort of find their way through is we don't want to control we well i say we <laughs> the majority of christians i ever run into have no interest in making the average non-christian behave like a christian it's just not i would be surprised if doug wilson even wants that 
there will be lines that we where we draw the line because in different places like we don't want anyone murdering one another that's obvious and a society kind of agrees on that so it's not it's not a problem but where that where those things get more blurry starts to become a bit more difficult well and and i think a lot of this has risen around sexual ethics because i just i woke up this morning and um, you know, I'm doing a bunch of things. And then I open up Twitter. And one of the first things on is Elon Musk has retweeted a little video, which is basically denouncing, you know, sexualized drag queen story hour, uh, explicit, um, explicit sexual educational materials for grade schoolers, which probably 10 years ago, just probably could even today be listed as child pornography because it shows underage children and, you know, and so, so that has in some ways provoked this question of, and, and what was funny is I saw that right next in my stream was someone complaining about Netflix new series on Alexander the Great where right away within the first two minutes, Alexander is doing something sexual with a man. And of he course, that. what's that? <laughs> he did that. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and so when, when we say, well, how Christian is this going to be? You begin to recognize that all of this, um, this what, what continues to be at least broadly broad consensus about protecting children from adult sexual predators is a fruit of Christianity. And Tom Holland has brought that, you know, fully hmm. to the front. And now when Netflix shows Alexander the Great, well, you know, we're not too far away from Hadrian or, or Nero or, and, you know, in the 19th century, maybe scholars understood the sexual valence of the ancient classical world, but in its portrayal in popular media in Christendom was quite sanitized. I mean, Alexander was going to be a man's man who would conquer and you'd be a sort of a Captain Kirk figure. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, um, you know, the kind of the kind of stuff that, well, if you actually say read the symposium. Um, and understand Roman sexuality, where are the lines in an open society? And I mean, these are these are the conversations that we're having, and especially sort of moderate Christians who, on one hand, would say, boy, I, you know, I think it's, I think absolutely what's happened in terms of the, the kind of open society that has afforded the, a level of pluralism that we have has been good. But there are still some lines that we very much do want to enforce. And when it comes to something like in America, public education, which means something a little different than in the UK, is a very big deal. Mm. And how that's administered, is it central from Washington? Is it by the states? Is it by a local school board? To what degree in Texas can you still have a prayer before a Friday night football game? That's a big, and football meaning American football, not, you know. Not real football. 
so these are you know these are the issues that we're really sort of sort of sussing out mm. and you know as with Ian Hersey Ali these are some of the issues that are provoking this reconsideration of Christianity that Justin Brierley is pointing out well we've got a, a school uh, a story in the UK with um Catherine Bilbao Singh who runs a school in in West London and she's been taken to court because she's not giving them giving the Muslims a prayer room and you listen to her talking about it and you're like okay this is Pax Romana she is it's her school everyone has to bow to the authority of the school and so it's like no Muslim prayer room no Christian um this no no one everyone has to just toe the line of her school and and what what i what i found quite interesting is she does this blanket thing and yes yeah, she's not distinguishing between religions because actually if christians were doing prayer it would be less political right and I'm not saying that she should or shouldn't allow that, but it was just it's just very, very different. And it's kind of we all know it. We all know that there is something very particular about the way Muslims do their prayers, right? It's it's not it's not the same as the way that Christians do it or the way that maybe another religion would do it. And so you've got this competing worldview. that they're having to work out. I mean, the case is going to be fascinating. Well, and for you, who obviously have been bringing in immigrants from the former empire. And um, beyond. And beyond. And you're exactly right. Christians pray. Everybody sort of, you know, closes their head and closes their eyes and stands there. There's no mat. There's no call to prayer. There's no being, uh, you know, with your butt up in the air. Unless and, you go to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, and then you do do that, and that's been rather fun. I, I remember going to that. Well, but but then you're having the conversation about civilizational Christianity, and many Christians are like, yeah, well, you know, we're 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 happy, sort of, we're happy, sort of, keeping a degree of pluralism and keeping it toned down, and then you've got some elements of Islamic society that. We're we're happy to take over and run the place. Thank you very much. And we're just biding our time until we have enough people here, and we'll we'll move the needle, and we won't care. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that. And you've well, got what... all you. We don't have that in the American scene in terms of a nobody's worried about the Islamic vote, with maybe the exception of Michigan. But in the UK, it's a it's a different story. Well, there was a statement by Muslim groups and an opinion poll who was saying a lot of them won't vote Labour and most Muslims vote Labour. So they're the left wing party that is going to become the next government almost certainly. And it's well, well, they're not going to go to any other party. So they'll probably either not vote or go to an Islamic party, um, I'm imagining. But it yeah, so I can um, I can almost imagine the where 
our Conservative parties have been kind of outflanked on the right, that the Labour Party might be outflanked by the Muslim vote. But we'll we'll see. It's going to be interesting times ahead. We, we live in a very interesting world and very interesting times. So. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen next. Which we really right. have no idea, except for Jazz Cow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the people, uh, I would say, say we've got the people have the Benedict option. They've got the, um, oh, what, the, the Christian nationalist one. I've forgotten what they call it. And but we've got the jazz cow option, which I think is the best of all of them. <laughs> Although I, I must say that there's, you know, jazz is American. I yes. mean, so is this a Dutch cow singing American jazz? So he he's he's a saxophone player. And, oh, he's a saxophone player. But the yeah, he's an he's played by an American. He um but had an interesting um, talk with someone today and we want to really get the kind of UK jazz scene seems a little bit more exciting than the American scene at the moment um, particularly in London it's it's like really buzzing amongst the kind of 20s, uh, teens and 20s there's really? a real growing subculture and they're doing some amazing stuff and American stuff, maybe I'm wrong but it feels a bit stale in comparison well, it's, I mean, well, there, there's a, there's a lot of tradition of you guys taking, you know, American stuff. And I mean, you took rock and roll and gave us the Beatles and the Stones. And so hmm, maybe you'll do it with jazz. I think it's the immigration has been the actual core thing. So as they bring in things like Afro beats and um just bringing all the different styles that we hear in london they kind of integrate that and it becomes a lot more porous yeah. and there's a lot more creative inputs i think that we have particularly in big cities where everyone is mixing with everybody else yeah well i certainly i mean when I, i've only been to the uk twice but going to london it was like i mean that first night we came in you know not this past Year, but the summer before when and and it was just like i you know i could have been in the new york subway except your subway's better um sorry new york city it's just true you've got you've got a great you've got a great tube um but i was just it was just like wow this city is the whole world is in this city it's an incredibly it really vibrant place and there's this this whole debate that you hear people talking about or beginning on the right, lots of people are talking about, ah, oh, we've our diversity is not our strength. And they're really pushing back on the slogan that diversity is our strength. And they're like, we need unity. And I'm like, we need both. Because if we don't have diversity, there'll be no energy and there'll be nothing to you. You need unite the, around. Yeah, you need unity and diversity. And I feel like we've people are opting for one or the other. Yeah. And our society will break if it's just diverse, but we do need, we do need the energy. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, it's a fascinating, every time I go to, I mean, I, I, obviously when I go to the UK, 
I have a I have a less filtered experience because there isn't a language barrier. Whereas if I'm in the Netherlands or Germany, and those are really the only three countries in Europe I've spent any time at all in um, this summer, I'm going to be in Italy for a little while, which will be interesting again. Um, but that'll mostly be as a tourist. So um, we shall see. We shall see. All right, John, anything else? Anything else we ought to get in? I don't think so. Um, yeah. Jazzcow.co.uk. Jazz I'm, I'm rubbish at the plugging thing. I'm learning to do this. <laughs> Jazzcow.co.uk. All right. There it is. So... Click on it below, and um, if you if you want to see a if you want to see this jazz cow, then uh, contribute to the Kickstarter once it's up, and uh, bit by bit we'll see this thing come to fruition. Brilliant! Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's it's always good to talk to you, John. <laughs>